Welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast with Matthew Eels. You busy tonight? You want to turn, eh? My mum leaves at nine. So you're at ten. <laughs> yes! So where'd you get it from anyway? Apparently it was the hand of someone who could connect with the dead. I heard it was the hand of a Satanist. The other hand's just out there. White people shit, man, I tell you. <laughs> All right, let's do this! You know the drill. Say, talk to me. Talk to me. Haley, fucking stop it, he's choking! Oh. 83 seconds, get it off him! What if we open the door, but we didn't shut it? Delete it. Delete it, come on! The spirits, they followed us. We have to do something. You want to do it again? Run. They're not going to stop. What was it? Run. What? I don't know! I let you in. Run. I let you in. Oh my god. That's the trailer for the new brutal and bloody Australian horror film, Talk To Me. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by the frighteningly talented filmmaking duo and twin brothers, Danny and Michael Filippo, to discuss Talk To Me, which is already making waves around the world and has caught the attention of filmmakers like Jordan Peele and Steven Spielberg, as well as author Stephen King. Talk To Me follows a group of friends who discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand. They become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and opens the door to the spirit world, forcing them to choose who to trust, the dead or the living. Danny and Michael, who some of our listeners will also know as YouTube sensations Rucka Rucka, are online purveyors of comic horror and action. Their YouTube videos have been watched over 1.5 billion times and amassed over 6.6 million subscribers. Talk To Me is their debut feature film. I'm sure a lot of you will find that hard to believe once you see it, such is the world-class quality of this film. In this interview, Danny and Michael discuss their horror inspirations, signing a deal with American mega-distributors A24, the disturbing event which led to the themes explored in the film, and much more. This interview was recorded from a hotel room as part of the press tour for this film. The energy that these two have is infectious and it's difficult not to get caught up in their enthusiasm. The guys were enjoying a well-earned packet of salt and vinegar chips throughout the interview, so there may be some rustling throughout. Now that the Barbenheimer hype is over, go and support a local film this weekend and see Talk To Me, which is in cinemas from Thursday the 27th of July. 
you're going to love it. Anyway, enjoy. Danny and Michael, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. Yes, thank you for having us. <laughs> um, it's a real thrill for me to be speaking with you two today. Um, I feel like horror is the most consistently great film genre at the moment, with so many incredible horror films being released uh, all over the world. Um, this film that you two have now contributed to that genre is truly world-class. Uh, congratulations on this one, guys. It's an absolute knockout. Oh, yeah, we're so so happy you liked it. And so happy that like, uh, the reception's been good for it. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, we had no idea what people were going to think. When we, we thought we made, made a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I doubt that very much. <laughs> well, there was a scene in the, we edit, when we edited the first possession, because uh, we'd edit on set and then in between shoot days as well, where we edited the first possession and we could feel that it like felt like something special, like from that. Um, and we just made us so ex excited to share it with the crew. So we have to try and like top ourselves for the next possession and the yes. other the film. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to ask you about uh, the horror genre as a whole in a moment and then uh, do discuss the making of this film. But to begin with, uh, can we go back to Sundance for a moment? Because that's really where this film took its first ascent on this, uh, this thrill ride roller coaster. Are you guys still riding that high or, or has it settled now that you're approaching the, the, the official cinema release of Talk To Me? Yeah, the whole thing has still been so overwhelming and, and, and unbelievable and all the opportunities that are on the table right now and the people that we're talking to still feels like, what? What is happening? It's so, yeah. Insane. Well, it kind of feels like we're still at Sundance in a way because there's still all these premieres that are coming up that we're going to and things like that. That it's like, yeah, I, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a surreal feeling when the film comes out. Yeah. Cause it's been like on, like since January been like kind of promoting it and, and getting ready for the release. So, so yeah, it's coming up now. It's really exciting. Mm. Yeah. So is, is it, 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 does it feel different to you in the back of your mind, knowing that the general public are about to see the film rather than a film festival audience, because there is a big difference between the two. Yeah, well, we, we're so new to this world, so it's like I, I wonder what those different audiences are like. I'm, I'm so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we're so grateful and happy that the critics loved it because, you know, like say at Sundance when they went to the first screening and it was like, you know, a distributor's going to be there, A24 is going to be there, critics are going to be there. And we're like, man, is there any just like normal audience? <laughs> yes, yes. You know? So I'm, I'm kind of like excited to get like the general public to be watching it as well. Yeah, But great. also it's a bit intimidating at the same time. Yeah, the general public are much more harsh, I guess, because they don't have any stakes in the film or, or, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Like anyone can just say whatever they want, I guess. And there's no like, uh, yeah, no professional front that they have to put on. It's just sort of like they're just, ah, yeah. Stuck in crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, so, so with that Sundance screening, were you guys in the crowd? Did you sit there and watch it with the audience? Yeah, so we were cringing in the back seat. It Most was like, painful experience in the was, world. Yeah. <laughs> and like every time someone would go up to go to the toilet, you'd be like, oh, they hate the movie. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they'd go past you, they'd open the door and this light would go over the whole crowd. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, God, it doesn't take you out of the movie. And then they'd come back in. So the light open go, the light, fill up then again. Then they'd go past you, then they'd shuffle into their seat and everyone's kind of getting up. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. were you, are you judging? Were you judging yourself while you're watching the film? Are you, are you thinking of things that you could have done differently or should have done different? Oh, yeah, there's some scenes where you're like, oh, what, what, what? Yeah, sometimes, uh, but like, I like most of it, we got exactly as we wanted it. Yeah, it's interesting, of... actually, when you go to screenings, you, you still feel like you have to do something. Like, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, I feel like I've still got to like, 
like, oh, I've still got to do something here to make this a better. It's like, no, it's finished now. You just got to like watch and like it is what it is now. Yeah. But yeah. for some reason in my mind, it feels like I'm still on set or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That feeling will never go away. I don't think uh, no matter how many times you watch it. Um, so how quickly after the screening did you find out that A24 had bought the US distribution rights? Because that, that's just one of the most incredible stories to come out of this whole thing. Yeah, well, we, we knew that night, as soon as they walked out, they said that they were interested, um, that that like literally right after the screening, they said they're really interested. And then the next day they'd made an offer and the next day there was like a bidding war between all these companies and we were meeting with the heads of these studios and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was surreal to have A24 sitting opposite you and them like, saying why they should be the ones to distribute the movie. It's like, oh, my God. Like, we know. Yeah, yeah we know who you guys are. Like, we're A24. Like, we know who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they need little introduction, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and, um, and they were so personable. So that they, they came into the room with us and they all introduced themselves. They said it was the first film like that from the acquisitions side of things that they all agreed on. So there's always one or two. They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. They said across the board, everyone had said yes, which is awesome. And then, so they presented themselves and they all flew back to New York and then another company made an offer and then they flew back to Utah with even more members from the, from the team. And, and like, it just felt like there was like a, a real personal approach and, yes. and they were very, yeah, just the things that they were saying and I just felt like the best fit ever. That's amazing. And uh, I want to uh, preface this next question by saying that the film obviously deserves all the success that it gets because it is great, but how aware are you guys of how rare it is for an Australian film, an Australian feature film debut to reach the heights that your film has? It, it's yeah, extremely rare. Yeah, yeah. Because when we reinvested our fees, our lawyer rang us up and said, do not. He's like, you're never going to see your money again. He said 8% of Australian films make their budget back. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, what? Really? I, I, like, I was but for us, it was never, yeah, about that at all, like, it was a it was a no brainer to reinvest and like if we could make the movie one percent better by doing whatever it took like that's what we wanted to do yeah and um yeah we just made it the film that we were like happy with and then like yeah that like and like we don't know where it goes from here we did not expect <laughs> yes. this at all so we, we and we're so new to this we we didn't even really know what a distributor was or like what yes. like, we didn't understand what was happening yes talks <laughs> <laughs> going on around us and we're like. I don't know. That's what you guys, your yeah, you guys, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We love about. A24 though. <laughs> yes. So have you learned a lot now? Would you say that you've learned a lot about the distribution side of it? It's, it's something that you have your head around? Definitely. Definitely. Because yeah. like, there was like departments of people that were involved. I'm like, what are you, who, what? Like, well, yeah. it's like when people talk about, like when I look at films and like, I, I look at the making of them and like the, uh, the editing process and the overall film, right? I never focus on, this is how it was marketed and this is how it was pushed and this is yes. who was pushing it. Uh, that This whole thing has been a new world to us because like mm. everything up until the final like the edit is like we were involved with every part of it, but then everything after is never happened. Like we've never yeah. experienced yeah. any yeah. of this stuff before. Oh yeah, we're learning, we're learning. We're learning. Yeah, and <laughs> I guess that the uh, the distribution side of video uh, that you guys have in your head is releasing it onto YouTube and then all of a sudden you have 67 million views on one video. <laughs> You know, imagine if you could reach that with with a with a feature film in the cinema. Oh my god! Yeah, you just like finish it and then it just goes, and then it's just up. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so different though. Like just like a three minute clip as opposed to like ninety minutes. You know, it's such yeah. a big difference. Yeah, like and then like the, I guess the different ways of approaching marketing. Like with YouTube, again, we just we just uh, post it and that's it. Yes. And then yeah. whatever happens happens. You know. Yeah. So in a way, it was kind of like that. Well, this we finished it and then like the producers and that like went off and. 
uh, tried to get into these film festivals. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So we'll just, yeah, it's all been learning, learning, learning. Yes, uh, and that won't stop. Um, I want to go back to the the horror genre. Uh, would you two agree with my statement before that the world is producing some seriously great horror at the moment? Is, is it a genre that you both keep up with? Oh, yeah, I super keep up with it and in love of all horror, and I love the genre so much. I love films in general, so, uh, yeah, the horror genre specifically is, yeah, there's well, been so much good stuff. And the great thing about, like, going to, like, the Berlin Film Festival and then Sundance, how much Australian horror is going yes. around right now. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, that in, was... in Berlin Film Festival, there was, like, a little section, like, a little club of the Australians. Like, we, we it was, like a, like, a little bar and all the Australians were there. Like, hey, how's it going, mate? You know? <laughs> Did you manage to catch any while you were there? Yeah, yeah, we got to watch um uh the the talk uh, the talk show one. I forgot what it was called though. Uh, oh, the oh, late night. Late night. Late yeah, night. Late yeah. Night, yeah. Devil. yeah we, we got to catch that one. I, I haven't yes. seen the others yet. Yeah, and uh, actually, that's really interesting that you just brought that up then, because um you know speaking of horror, while I was uh I was lying in bed last night about two o'clock in the morning, I just couldn't sleep because I've had this terrible flu, and uh, it got me thinking that so many successful horror filmmakers in Australia are both brother filmmaking duos. And that oh. film was made by uh, Cameron and Colin Cairns. And then you have Michael and Peter Spearig who made uh, Undead and Predestination. And then you have Kia and Tristan Roach-Turner who made Wormwood. And now we've got you two. Like, how lucky are we? It's some pretty <laughs> wild and admirable company to be in. Well, you know, maybe we have to change it up and never work with each other again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's sort of like, it feels like a cheat code having like a, a brother because it's such a mammoth task, you know, making a film. I couldn't imagine doing it by myself. Like it's such a huge thing. Like, and you, of course you're collaborating with such amazing, like people, like different, uh, you know, specialists in their trade. But in terms of directing, like doing it by yourself, I could see, man, I just couldn't imagine doing it solo, yeah. you know, especially yeah. for a feature. That's crazy. Yeah, um, I, I want I want to talk to you a bit about uh, working together in a moment, but uh, I just want to go back again for a moment. What was the what were the films that you enjoyed watching as kids? What 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 were you watching the most? Um, Bugs Life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had um um my dad's friend uh, Jenny would take us to all the MA fifteen plus movies and more like nine ten. So she took us in to see our first like Friday Friday vs Jason. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She would always like take us to those films, which was really cool. So that was yeah. our, like my first like proper into the genre. Yeah, like like uh, our mum would never let us watch anything over PG, yeah. and then our dad didn't really care, and our grandfather because he barely spoke English. We'd take him, you know, we get him take us to the video store, and we get all the bad stuff. <laughs> yes. yeah. like, even yeah. the, even like South Park and things like that. And then mum's like, he's, they're not supposed to be watching this, and he's like, it's just a cartoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, and, you know, we, we all grew up on uh, watching movies that we shouldn't watch. And yeah. I guess it's different for kids nowadays because all of their viewing experiences are on streaming service. Parents have so much control over what they're watching. They constantly have an eye on them. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you just recommend that everyone should just watch everything? Uh, I mean, to a, to an extent, oh, of course. I think to an extent. <laughs> yeah, I think like a horror film... I think it's like that's a cool coming of age rite of passage thing is to watch something that you're like, oh, mum won't let me watch this. That's just like yes. a, it feels like if a coming too, of age. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to give parental parental advice. I think you I'd be certainly the last shouldn't. shouldn't. <laughs> but like, the more you tell your kid not to do it, the more they're gonna want to. Like, yes. Like, you know? yes. So, but I think like with the streaming stuff, it's kind of 
ratings and stuff isn't a, as big of a deal now. Like people don't go, oh, it's M or MA, really. I, I, I know, they just, Well, they've just announced that the, the classification board are going to be very more specific about things that are in films. Like I know oh, they're, really? they're revamping the whole entire rating system. Right, right. right. Yeah. Well, because I know that like, you know, our little cousins and stuff, like everyone has GTA and that's R-rated. And that, like, <laughs> yes, you know, it's sex, drugs, violence, coarse language, like everything. And it's like, that's just everyone. And everyone just plays everyone's like, playing, yeah, Everyone's yeah. having a good time. So. And I guess on the streaming performance, I, I guess it depends on the parent, but it seems like there's more that you can't, there's no like gate of like going to the cinema and being like, you can't come in here. Everything's just so readily available on streaming and especially online. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like everyone's getting exposed to way more things. Early. Yeah, and, and and was it at that young age that you guys thought oh, I want to do this? I want to I want to make movies and and make video content like this. Oh yeah, we've been doing it since we were nine years old. We, yeah. Like we've never, I can't remember a time when we didn't want to make stuff. Yeah. And even before that, we're drawing out movie covers and everything. Like it's a a thing. Like as soon as we wake up and as soon as we go to sleep, everything is like a like a film scene or characters and ideas. To an annoying extent, you know, <laughs> but it's like something that, and that the ideas get stuck in your head until you make them. So we've got to make them, get them out of that. And it goes through all weird OCD phases, like even to go to sleep, because I got ADD as well and so much energy. I've got to rock myself to sleep with my headphones on listening oh, like to- like a little baby. Little baby. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like certain music or themes that I listen to and I just like rock back and forth until eventually I'm out of energy and I fall asleep. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, uh, Danny, in, in, in your director's statement, and I'm sure this is a philosophy that both of you share, but in the director's statement, uh, you said that in, in the YouTube videos, we have no characters, we have no plot, we have no idea what we're doing, uh, where <laughs> we're going or what the hell we're shooting and why we're shooting it. Is that a style that you'd recommend to young people wanting to start out in, in filmmaking and, and uh, starting out on a journey similar to yours? Yeah, I, I just recommend to just start making stuff no matter what it is and yeah. start writing things no matter what it is and just mm. learn every, every, everything you do, every single one, you'll just keep improving and getting better and you'll learn lessons from everything that you do. So my my advice is always just start making stuff no matter what it is. Yeah, even if it's like a big idea, like some people keep an idea in their heads, like, oh, it's not ready yet. Like, but it's you should start at least writing it down, you know, in whatever form it is, even if it's bad, just start writing, start getting it off out of your head onto page and then you can mold it from there. And yeah, and everyone's got a phone. Like everyone can start shooting stuff and making stuff. Like yeah, that's film stuff. It. And you know what? Any kid, like you, you'll be thankful later on that you did, you know, looking back on that stuff's hilarious. Yes, yeah, that's uh, such great advice. Um, so let's talk about this incredible film. I mean, that's what we're here for. So we might as well talk about it. Um, uh, the concept uh, for Talk To Me originally presented itself to you in the form of a short film script. Is that right? Written by... Uh, your friend, uh, one of your friends. Yeah, yeah. Danny Pearson had um, a short film that he he sent to me to see if I was interested in directing and to do a pass. And I did a pass of it and like like inserted characters that I really connected with and and made it a bit more serious because it's like a comedy horror initially. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, once I started writing, I just uh, yeah I couldn't stop. And and there was eighty pages within four or five days. Sent that over to my co-writer Bill Hinsman. And then from there, just like kept collaborating, bouncing back and forth and strengthening, strengthening. And then like in the second draft of the film, we found the hand, which was a really exciting revelation. But like every draft you do just keeps improving and strengthening. Um, It's great. So that's very interesting then. So what was it before it was a hand? Uh, Just haunted object. It was a haunted object. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, the original short film was like teenagers having fun with possession. Yeah, yeah, Possession and filming themselves. And I think they were initially, they were like saying phrases. It was too bored and there was phrases, I think, initially. 
like Vixen, Vira, I can't remember. Don't say it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you're stuck in a small room like that. Yeah, no, no. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at cinemaaustralia.com.au. So as well as being uh, this awesome horror film, uh, Talk To Me actually has a much deeper subtext, which, uh, you know, explores drug addiction and mental health and even abandonment in in some regards and parental abandonment. Uh, But I'm particularly interested in the addiction aspect of, of this subtext. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I just think that um the hand represents so many different things. And, and one of the things that it represents is just vices in general and the over-reliance of them and sort of the glorification of those as well. With, with society now, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex, um, I think that it's just people relying on those things to get through those dark times are destined to have a bad time. <laughs> it, it's what yeah. it, like. it just felt really personal for me and... Um, like the mental health stuff as well and fears from our own family. And like, I was like, when I was writing, it was just tapping into things that scared me personally and just expressing that the only way I knew how and not even knowing thematically what it all meant until way later down the line. And then the next stuff comes out more and then you uh, put, you know, you punctuate it a bit more. And even now the film to be preachy or anything like that. No, no. It just felt like that, yeah, that was just like what naturally came out in the script. Yeah. yeah. And maybe because we also just, we have addictive personalities. I could get addicted to anything, you know, so <laughs> that hand, find me up. <laughs> Salt and vinegar chips. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, yeah it's like, oh, as soon as you start, you've got to finish the whole package. It's yeah. so annoying. <laughs> or like an action or anything. Like, and it could be a positive or a negative, you know. But it's still so weird that there's even things that I'm finding re-watching it that I'm like, oh, I was talking about that or expressing this and you don't even realise it. But it's just, wow. you're just right. And, and it's just what's on your mind and, and your thoughts. And yeah, the, the meanings come later. And then you have a, a talented writer that goes, this is what you're saying. And, <laughs> and sort that out with a therapist. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well, we laugh about that. But, uh, you know, when you were writing it, did did you have to take yourself to some of those darker places? Yeah, every time that I go to write, it's sort of like I have to build myself up to write. Like, I, I, like it'll take me ages to get into the zone to like write mm. and then get to the proper headspace. Just to kill a few kittens. And- yeah, so a little bit of, no, no, but it's like like lots of like long walks at night, like at 3 a.m. listening to certain things, having conversations with myself, watching things, getting to like a really dark headspace. And even if I'm in a bad mood at the time, like I find it therapeutic to write. So th- those that writing so- sometimes does come from a spot when you're feeling a bit down. Yes. Uh, and it's a way to, to relieve it. And, but yeah, it's so weird that like, I can't write just bits and pieces. Like I'll just be sitting for ages, sitting for ages. And then suddenly I'm ready and then yeah. I can just go and it'll just I, I unleash it all. Uh, yeah. is my process. Well, you've, uh, you've done a terrific job here and it also makes you, uh, uh, well, certainly someone of my age makes me grateful that phones weren't around when I was a teenager so that I would be constantly reminded of the dumb shit that I did. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's like a, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, back then it's like, you know, you could, it'll get talked about and then disappear. Whereas now it's immortalized on the internet, you know, and, and shared about, and you can never yeah. really, you know, it's some people it's difficult to move on from mistakes and things like that. And, and it's hard for kids to navigate and understand that. And like, it's such a weird generation to grow up with. It's such, such, yeah. such an odd thing that everyone has access to all that stuff. But I feel fake. like you, like, yeah, like some of those moments like need to happen for growth and things yes. like that, you know, and then for the fact for that to be used against you and future and stuff, it's, you know, it's tough. You gotta let people grow. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, let's talk about the gore in this film because it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a gore hound myself. I love horror, as I've said, um, and you guys really do push it here. Um, how, how far did you want to push the gore? Because it really does go to some horrific places as far as uh, physical gore goes. Yeah, we just wanted to make sure that Joe could do the dialogue after we smashed his face to the table, you know, for real. So violent. Oh, no, I don't know why. Oh, when you were saying about things that are going to a dark place, I was going to keep saying this. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. But no, like, it was the script initially was way more dark and way more violent. And it was about turning it back and not letting it feel like schlock. And, and like having those moments be grounded in, in like a reality, have weight to them and, and really mean something to the story. But like also like doing everything practically, like we're so obsessed with with makeup all the way through our racket bids and even like as kids, we're obsessed with like pulling things off practically. And it was so exciting to like have those challenges. And there's like certain scenes that like, you're like how can we do this and execute this for real uh, was such a fun, fun. Which is, it's always interesting. Like the stuff, it's the gore, like is always so much fun to film and everyone doing it has so much fun. But then like, yeah. When you look at the end product, you don't see what's, you know, what's gone into making it look like that. It's, yeah, quite, it's cool. I guess, confronting. And, you know, yeah, again, like our YouTube stuff, like you'd see from some of the videos, we go, like, yes. really far, you know, with the prosthetics and blood. Like, we yeah. sometimes we use, like, 100 liters of blood for, like, one video <laughs> or something. It was, like, finding the right amount for this film, like, because you want it to be shock, you know, you want it to be shocking because it's a horror film, but they're not just lingering on it or being gratuitous for gratuitous sake. It's like having those moments be earned and carry weight and and like the yeah. effects that they have with the characters, you know. Yeah. And now you've said that this has been a learning experience for you. And I guess when you think about your videos that you've put onto YouTube, the, the violence is obviously quite cartoonish, whereas the, the yeah, violence with this film, it's extremely real uh was that a learning experience for well, you yeah, to, yeah, to watch how that was done well yeah it was interesting you saying that yeah I, I didn't really think of that it's so true that it's uh there was one time where we we got a video taken down on youtube because we said some swear words or something no it, it was the mortal combat fatality video no no it was a different oh. video i'm talking about a bit where it was real what and was I was like, well, like when we, we depicted like, it was like real violence. We got told oh, right. and we said to YouTube, we're like, we, I don't know, we're for some reason fighting with YouTube and we're like, we'll show you, that shouldn't have been removed. We'll show you a video that should be removed. And then we did like a live stream of this. But it was, yeah, it looked, it looked too real. It looked so <laughs> real. And like, I regret, you know, sometimes you do something, you go, yeah, we should. <laughs> but it was like, you get carried away with that prosthetic stuff and you get so obsessed with it. But like, yeah, it's so true that like, uh, having it grounded and weighted in reality is because those characters are really connected to her as the YouTube stuff. Everyone's oh, yeah. a parody thing. Yeah. yeah it's cartoon. Like how, ridic probably... how ridiculous can you go? Whereas like these, you really feel the hits I feel. And like, you know, and I think it is that, that real breakdown of the prosthetic process. Like it yes, was really yeah. in depth, the makeup to make it appear like, you know, because it is quite visceral and graphic. It's a good distinction. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. It's <laughs> And a, a lot of that violent ha violence happens to Riley as well, who we instantly form this connection with while watching the film. So that, that yeah. makes it even harder to watch. Um, uh, despite having worked on feature film sets previously and your success with YouTube, obviously, did you ever feel like a fish out of water going into principal uh, photography on, on your first feature film? Well, I think we've been building up to it for so long with all the YouTube stuff. So it felt like we were ready. But still, there was at times at night where you start questioning it and thinking, oh, can we do this? Why are they trusting us with all this money? And then <laughs> I think initially when it got announced, we got funding. There were some people that were like, oh, even on set, there were some crew members that were like, these guys don't know what they're doing. So yeah. like there was a bit of that. And then like you question yourself as well, but you just have to go for it. 
it's yeah, kind of like there's a stigma around being a YouTuber, you know. But like fundamentally, before that, we were filmmakers, and th that's how stuff gets seen now through YouTube. So I don't really understand that kind of yes. looking down on YouTubers because YouTubers now, I feel, are doing things in like mainstream now better than the mainstream. Like uh, outs, like like nothing to do with us. Like even everyone else, like people with that are doing like drinks and things like that. It's like it's it does it better than than, than the mainstream. So I don't know. It was a thing where it's like. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of money involved, you know, it's very risky. And like you have this blank canvas, you know, you have a camera there and you could shoot any, you can put it anywhere and film anything, you know, it's like, yeah, having a strong story and a, I guess a strong script and team to fall back on. But yeah, you can't let it overwhelm you, you know? Yes. Um, I spoke to a brother and sister duo recently who just made their first film and they told me that their first day on set, there was a lot of sibling bickering um, before they forced each other to kind of rein it in because it didn't look great in front of the, the rest of the cast and crew. What, what was it like for you two uh, working together? We'd always just argue on text. <laughs> I think we, like, we knew that how much it was like our one shot and we had to be united and we had a united vision going into it. So it was like, we, you know, like on the YouTube stuff, we we'd probably bicker more, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But we did a lot of bickering in post, but on set, we try to keep yeah, the bickering. On set, to... it's like we, we have to be a team, you know, and that's what that's what we were really kind of united in that. But yeah, it was kind of like through text messages and fist fights at lunch as opposed to in front of the crew. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to in front of everyone. Um, uh, I mentioned your work on the feature film sets, uh, and that included jobs on The Babadook and, uh, and Cargo. Um, which were both of those films produced by these incredible super producers, uh, Christina Caton and Samantha Jennings. How important was it for you to have their involvement on this film? Like, yeah, I never want to make a, another movie without Causeway and Samantha Jennings. Yeah. It's so yes. incredible. Her yeah. script notes, her presence on set, the way she delivers news, even if it's bad news. Like she, she was literally, I can't imagine, the film would be half the film without her and she's such a powerful powerful producer like she's so incredible and inspiring and creative oh we love it it's <laughs> it's man we were so lucky in every aspect of the film from production writing production and post and now distribution with a24 i feel like we just got really lucky because i hear stories of filmmakers on set with like a producer that's not on terms with them or like a dop that isn't like you have the same vision like we were so lucky that there was no people like that. You know, we had a yes. great crew. We had a great producer. We had a great editor. We had great sound and posts and uh, special effects, like visual effects, like, yeah, the makeup team. Everyone was so amazing that it's kind of like, I was, I guess I was waiting on set for, so, you know, it was very tough, but we, everyone was working together. No one was like against the process. Yeah. And, and it's like, we, we know that every production we do in the future, we want to shoot in Australia, hundred percent. Like, I mean, we want that crew, man. I want that Aaron McCliskey to DOP, Sam to be producing, <laughs> Sophie to be lead. Maybe we'll just redo Talk To Me or something, you know, let's just reshoot it. <laughs> Uh, guys, you, you have no idea how happy that makes someone like me to hear you say that you want to continue to make films in Australia. Um, and, and you're saying that that's mostly because of the crew? Well, yeah, I just think it feels like it felt safe. We felt looked after here and it felt homely. Mm. It didn't feel like we were in enemy territory or we were like out of our depth. Like we felt comfortable. And, and like, because we crewed on films before, like before the YouTube stuff, like a lot of the people that we had on the crew were people that we'd worked with before. Caterers, grips. You know the stunt guys like these are all people that we've worked with um so it was like it was like a family and like yeah doing it in australia where you're like most comfortable 
and like you know the people like even like i guess like the sense of humor and stuff it's, i don't know it's just like a it's very comfortable and i want to shoot everything in australia for sure that'd be the dream the dream would be to like say oh this is what you want to do next you get unlimited money or how much ever you need and you get to inject that into the australian economy and provide jobs for australians and are also letting people be creative there's so many people creative people that kind of like they, they kind of the rules of society or something like puts up walls and they can't they feel like they can express themselves creatively i want to show that you can can do that and kind of lock down those walls and give those people the opportunity to and it's not a lot in australia there's so much talent in australia i want to yeah put a spotlight on it so what if uh, dc or marvel came to you tomorrow and said uh, sorry guys you can only make films uh superhero films in america for the rest of your life what, what would you do we'd say Reject right, it? <laughs> see australia <laughs> 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 no, I reckon it'd be like a conversation to be like, hey, look, we, you know, we have good set designers and, and your what, dollar goes further here. Yeah. And you see the ADD tax rebate, come on, 40% cheaper, you know, you get 40% on top of your money and then the rebate, come on, mate. Come yes. on. Um, yeah, you could do a Taika Waititi and make one big superhero film and then go off and make a nice little independent film in Australia. Uh, yeah, yeah, like one for one. You know, we're not against. No, I, well, I think that you could still bring those big projects to Australia. Well, they do anyway. Like yeah. all the yeah. four and stuff gets shot here. Yeah. But yeah, we're not against the idea of America, like filming in America. We'd pref much prefer to shoot it here. And if we I, can, I, I, I'm, I'm against you there. I'm saying I will bring everything to Australia. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But even even like it could even just be the post of the film. It's just like yeah. having some sort of essence of Australia in there every time. Yes. Terrific. Um, guys, I've got one uh, final question here, which I ask all of my podcast guests. Um, uh, have you seen an Australian film recently that's really stood out for you? I know you mentioned one of the ones that you saw at uh, Berlin then, but is there anything else that you can think of? I haven't actually seen many films at all the last couple of... There was one I watched. Wait, I've got to get the title of it. I'm there was one I, I really liked, which was a bit more old school, which was Next of Kin. I really love that film. Oh, yeah, fantastic film. Yeah, from the 80s. I love yeah. that. So that was the last Australian film I think I saw. Um, which was, yeah, The Stranger. The Stranger. Oh, yeah, such a terrific film with Joel Edgerton. Oh yeah, that was like, that is so tense. Yes. I'm like, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, that film was amazing. I haven't I seen really it. I really yeah. like that movie. I really like oh, it. Yeah. I highly, highly recommend if there's anyone out there listening who hasn't seen the film. And don't um, look into it. Don't look into it. Just watch no. it. Just yeah. watch it blind, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Cinema Australia podcast. Uh, I wish you all the best going forward and uh, I look forward to chatting you in the, uh, with you in the future when you make your next film here in Australia. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ran. Cheers. And uh, sorry, I've also got one more thing to say here, but if the Crazy Frog ringtone becomes a fucking thing again, you're going <laughs> to owe an entire generation money for their therapy bills. All right, I'll just... Yeah. That. We just moved on from that, Danny. <laughs> I can bring it back. Thanks for listening. Find all the latest Australian film news at cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can follow Cinema Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok.